There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tony-nominated Broadway star Laura Osnes performs live at Maryland Hall in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday, July 29th. She joined me to discuss her career from winning the TV reality show You're the One That I Want to begin her Broadway career in Greece, leading to a pair of Tony nominations for Bonnie and Clyde and Cinderella. Hey, Laura Osnes. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in D.C. Hi, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, we're talking because you're coming to perform at the Maryland Hall in Annapolis on July 29th, and you're calling it Cabaret in Concert. So, uh, yeah, so I'm imagining, what is it, like a cabaret show with a jazz ensemble, and are you, are you like, singing American songbook stuff, or is it going to be, like, the greatest hits of your different Broadway shows, or what do we got? No, that's exactly it. We're doing a night of American jazz standards, uh, George Gershwin, Cole Porter, Duke Ellington, and uh, we're, we'll all be accompanied by the Unified Jazz Ensemble, which is a five-piece uh, jazz band. So we're basically singing standards that you will know and love from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. That sounds fantastic. And a lot of our you know, folks in the D.C. area will probably recognize you because you've done uh, some Kennedy Center shows before. Yes. I think you even performed at the Kennedy Center Honors in 2011. Uh, but, you know, you did some of Capital Fourth stuff, you know, the July 4th thing in 2017 and 2021. So, yeah, I mean, just just just, you know, reference the D.C. side of it, you know, like, why is it such a special, you know, place to play here in the D.C.? Well, I guess in this case, Maryland, Annapolis, but, you know, the general DMV area. Why is it so cool to keep coming back? Yes, it is one of my favorite places to visit. And as you said, I've been very involved with the Kennedy Center. I've done a bunch of concerts there with the National Symphony. Um, yeah, performed at the Kennedy Center Honors three times. I've done a Capital Four three times as well. And um, I just love it there. And I'm thrilled for this opportunity to get to bring a little bit of Broadway and jazz to the Maryland area. Awesome. I love it. Well, whenever I have someone famous from the theater world on, I love to sort of hear your origin story because I'm sure a lot of, you know, there's a local, you know, aspiring actors and playwrights and whatever in the area that love to hear how you got started. So I know you were born in Minnesota, grew up in like the St. Paul suburbs ish. Um, what what were some of the early roles? Was was it there like a Wizard of Oz, something in like second grade or something? Yes. Very good. You've done your research. My first show I ever did, I played a munchkin in the Wizard of Oz and the theater bug bit, I really fell in in love with theater and I got to play Dorothy later on in my youth. Um, and then I went to college for musical theater, but only for a year in Wisconsin and uh, just knew it's what I wanted to do. I got offered a, a job opportunity back in Minneapolis uh, to work at a theater there for a year and then ended up winning a TV reality show that cast me as Sandy in Greece on Broadway when I was 21. Oh, I have um, to ask but, you about that. It is the NBC reality show, Greece. You're the one that I want. It was in 2007. How did you hear about auditioning memories of, you know, winning with Max Croman's Danny, you know, give me yes. the goods on you're the one that I want. 
I actually heard about it in the newspaper, in the Star Tribune, I believe, in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And uh, my aunt had found it. And I worked it out with the the director of, I was actually doing, playing Sandy in a dinner theater production of Grease in Minnesota at the time. And the director let me out for a weekend to fly to LA and audition. And I kept making it past the next levels and then ended up competing live on TV for two and a half months and then won the competition. So it was a crazy experience. I was... I was young and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and eager for the opportunity, and I can't believe my Broadway dream came true. Yeah, and what? So that that's a good that answered my question. I was going to say, did you just like you know binge watch Grease over and over again with Olivia Newton-John and learn Hopelessly Devoted in Summer Nights and all that stuff? Or but but I guess you kind of already had because you're doing the dinner theater. So that's yeah, I was already playing the role, and I think you know as an actor, you always want to pay you know, homage to the ones that came before you. And Sandy is such an iconic role. Grease is such an iconic show, but I'm not Olivia Newton-John. And at the end of the day, I felt like, yes, I had seen the movie multiple times and wanted to bring the essence of her performance, but also bring a lot of myself to it and um, just trust that I was cast for a reason. And I was very right for this role. And um, that proved to be a good, a good method to go by because especially for the reality show experience, you know, America wants to get to know the person as well. And I think that was important in how, you know, that big break started for me was America got to fall in love with small town. Sandy was my nickname on the show because I was from, you know, a smallish town, a suburb of Minneapolis. Um, and so I think, you know, that was a lot of, a lot of it was bringing myself to the role as well. I love it. Well, one final Grease question, you know, the actual dream come true of getting to do it on Broadway, because, you know, that's the big prize of winning the reality shows. You get cast on to go on Broadway for the right. revival in 07. Um, so what was it like actually being on on stage and, you know, introducing a new generation uh, to the, the wonder that is Grease? It really was amazing. I mean, I was 21. It was, I had always wanted to be on Broadway, getting like entrance applause and getting to go to the stage door and, you know, meet uh, people, fans after the show that had voted for me on TV and getting a chance to thank them. Because honestly, you know, we were voted in. America called in and voted. So I have a lot to owe to uh, the American public and the fans that followed my journey. And, um, you know, I'd been doing theater my whole life and Broadway just felt like the pinnacle of of getting to share those gifts and do what I loved. It was really special. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there were a ton of people that watched the show that then went and bought tickets and made a trip to Broadway. So actually very smart on the producer's part. Totally, well. totally. <laughs> and and sadly, now we've lost Olivia Newton-John, too. So you got to carry the legacy on all, all exactly. the different. Exactly. I'm very honored that that was the kind of the launching pad for my Broadway yep. career. I got to live in New York for 15 years and mm -hmm. continue on. And now I'm in Nashville. So I'm excited to get to come back up to the the Northeast. For this awesome. Concert. I'd love to hit some of the other big Broadway roles really quick, move through them pretty quickly if you have time. Um, so after the the revival of Greece, of course, you do the the 2009 Broadway revival of South Pacific in the role of Nellie. Um, was it, you know, looking back, was it was it big for you to sort of prove that you weren't just some, you know, you know, a one time reality show winner that made it to Broadway off of that, that, you know, that, that you had another huge role. South Pacific is massive, you know, that, that you were sort of here to stay and you were going to, you know, could su sustain this as a as a full on Broadway career. 
That's really well said. I do feel like getting to do South Pacific was my legitimizing moment. Like people finally took me seriously. Not that they didn't before. I, you know, I, I worked hard during Greece and felt like I had a lot to prove though, coming from a reality show. You're absolutely right. And I feel like getting to assume the role of Nellie Forbush following the brilliant Kelly O'Hara was really the thing that people finally took me seriously. And I had a series of four auditions for that role. I was not handed that role. I had to, I definitely had to prove myself in the audition room and was so uh, grateful and honored to get to assume that role while Kelly was on maternity leave. Oh, that's awesome stuff. Um, and I even think you kept it when she returned from maternity leave a little bit too, right? I did. I got yeah. to do it for uh, seven months while she was away. Yeah. And then she returned and finished out her contract for a couple months. And then they asked me back and I assumed the role till almost the end of the run, um, another six, six or seven months. So um, it was very special. And the show was so beautiful. Tony award winning. I felt like I I grew up getting to play Nellie and I, I grew from being a girl to being a woman. <laughs> Absolutely. And you continued to grow. Uh, your career was moving on and, and continue and get good roles with the 2011 revi Broadway revival of Anything Goes. Uh, you were sharing a stage with some legends, Sutton Foster, yes. Joel Gray. I mean, are you yes. just geeking out the entire time? Are you just like watching them and trying to take tips? And then all of a sudden you have to say, oh crap, I can remember my line. A hundred percent. I remember the first read through um, of the script on the first day of rehearsal. And I was sitting, uh, you know, two chairs down from Sutton Foster and hearing her iconic voice sing those songs. I, I also grew up emulating Sutton and I had seen her in several of the shows that she had done before I moved to New York. So she was always um, an inspiration of mine and finally getting to work with her was so wonderful. And Joel as well. And then Jessica Walter played my mother. If anybody ever watched Arrested Development, um, she was the mom, Lucille Bluth on, on Arrested Development. And she was just a hoot. We had so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, everyone. TV fans will. That's an iconic role. Uh, yeah. They'll know her. Um, all right. I have to ask you about Bonnie and Clyde going to Broadway, you know, and Jeremy Jordan, the great Jeremy Jordan as Clyde. And I mean, I guess they earned your first Tony nomination now, but like, what, had you seen, you know, the, the Faye Dunaway, Warren Beatty, then, you know, the 1967 gangster movie classic. And were you at first, were you like kind of skeptical? Like, how are we going to make this into a musical? But lo and behold, you get a Tony nod for it. Yes. Uh, you know, like I said with Sandy earlier, where Bonnie is another kind of one of those iconic characters. Everybody has an expectation in their mind as to who they think this woman should be. And Faye Dunaway really uh, set the set the way for that. But the cool thing about Bonnie is that she's an actual human in history. And we were able to do a lot of research about who these people actually were and not just the Hollywoodized version of them in the movie that you were mentioning. Um, so yes, pay, pay homage to... Faye, but I didn't really base any of my performance off of hers. I really just wanted to, I wanted to do my research about the history of who this human being was and their actual adventures and bring, bring that person to life more so than copy a performance from a film. Were you ecstatic when you actually, when Tony nomination day came or even, even visiting, going to the actual awards too? Like it must've been like, wow, my, I made it. <laughs> yeah, it was really crazy. The The show was actually not that much of a critical success. We only ran for two months on Broadway, but it has become a, a cult classic and has a huge fan following. The music is absolutely amazing. We just, the timing of it uh, didn't work well critically for us. Um, but so the show had closed actually, and I got a surprise Tony nomination like five months later, and I was very surprised. And it was, I was just walking on air that whole Tony season, getting to, um, you know, attend to the events and feel like I was 
uh, just a part of honoring excellence in American theater. And I, I think the pressure was off because I kind of knew I wasn't going to win. I was just honored to be nominated that year. Um, and it was it was a great, a great experience and kind of like icing on the cake to um, a show that was so special that I got to originate, but didn't really feel like it it got its fair run. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe it like over overachieved a little in, in the Tony uh, nomination then by getting nominated for a show that had already closed. But you that's, yeah, that's a credit to you, though. We Rob. Thank it. you. It's it's true. It is kind of like that where you're like, oh, my goodness, this was just a nice like, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, icing on the cake, the cherry on top of going, wow, the show is not even still running. And they remembered my performance. And that it meant a lot. Yeah, that says something. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. All right. And then real quick, then we move into, let's call it the Rodgers and Hammerstein era of your career because you did the Sound of Music Carnegie Hall concert performance as Maria. But then uh, then the big one, of course, was their Cinderella on Broadway yes. where you get another Tony nomination. Um, just you know, I both, if you could, two-parter on that one, you know, getting to sing at Carnegie freaking Hall for Sound of Music and then get to do their Cinderella on Broadway. That is a that is a one-two punch uh, that, that people dream of. Oh, absolutely. I like one of the highlights of my entire career is that one night concert of The Sound of Music. It was one night. We rehearsed for like a week and a half. I played opposite Tony Goldwyn as Captain Von Trapp. And uh, it just that score is iconic. I have loved Julie Andrews from when I was a very young girl. And definitely Sound of Music was a movie I grew up watching. I played Brigitte in community theater, one of the Von Trapp kids when I was like 10 and so this felt like a full circle moment getting to sing this score with a full orchestra at Carnegie Hall. I was pinching myself. My family flew in from Minnesota. Like so many, like so many people came in for this one night thing because it was so special. Um, and then Cinderella was also, I hate to, it sounds super cliche. I keep saying this was like a dream come true, but um, we developed Cinderella for like two years before it finally came to Broadway. And um, it just was neat to be a part of that developmental process of, yes, the story is, uh, you know, one that everyone knows. And again, another character that comes with great expectations, but our script was completely rewritten and kind of modernized. So it felt like we were doing a, a new take a new twist on um, a classic story and it was neat to get to put my put my stamp on that role for sure yeah and what people might forget you passed the glass slipper to one carly ray jepson of call me yes <laughs> i bet the first time you heard that bop on the radio or online or spotify or whatever i guess that wasn't around at the time itunes in 2013 right uh, i bet you didn't know that that would be you know you're you're not understudy but Pred predecessor <laughs> yeah. predecessor essentially yeah no definitely not i was i was actually very excited when i found out that she was going to be cast i obviously knew the song i knew who she was and i was curious to see what she was going to be like as a person and I will tell you straight out she is the kindest most genuine down-to-earth human being um she got me a huge bouquet of flowers on my closing night and uh, we've continued to remain in contact here and there over the years and I'm just it's been so cool to just see her star continue to rise and I wish her nothing but the best 
And when you stay in contact, is it like, call me maybe, or I had to say it. I couldn't, I had to. Good That's one. Terrible, that was but I good. To, no, bad one. But I had to, I couldn't help. Myself. All right. And then you we got to talk about, we got to talk about Bandstand on Broadway, 2017, working with Corey Cott. I mean, yeah, all these names of people you're working with is incredible on its own, but uh, just memories of Bandstand really quick. Yeah, I was very uh, just lucky. I got paired opposite many amazing guys and Corey and I are also still great, great friends. Bandstand was special because it was completely original. There is no movie. There was no book of this. There is no preconceived notion of what this is. And I got to create the role of Julia Trojan from the ground up. And I really, really feel like it was catered around me and who I was and what I brought to the role. And um, it, it was very rewarding uh, it was a show about a group of World War II vets that returned from the war and start a swing band. And I played a war widow, a woman who had lost her husband. And again, we did so much research. We I connected with uh, multiple Gold Star wives to hear their story. And we had veterans come to the show and we honored uh, we would honor them backstage, bring them backstage. And we had a veterans wall backstage with photos. We dedicated each show to a vet. And it was just, we felt like we were part of something larger than ourselves. And um, people were not just coming to be entertained, but to somehow be like healed and really moved through this production in particular. And um, it was, yeah, one of the most fulfilling things I've I've gotten to do. That's awesome. Well, you've been generous with your time uh, going through all these theater roles. But before we run really quick, some it opened some opportunities to do television. I guess kind of coming full circle. You started on a TV reality show and then you go off and do all this Broadway stuff and then suddenly you get cast in some big shows like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And you even got to play Shirley MacLaine in Fosse Vernon. Um, yes. Do you just pop on the apartment? How do you how do you play Shirley MacLaine? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. I actually did have to do a lot of research too. The 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 kind of crazy thing about that role was it was one day on set. I was in one small scene and I had just a moment. So it was really fun to just have the whole get up, get the hair and makeup done to look like her for a minute. But I I really only had I think three or four lines. Um, but it was so cool. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to play this again iconic person in history. I get to say that I've like checked that off my bucket list and again working with you know michelle williams on set for a day and it was it was crazy i was it was unreal experience that's awesome and then of course around a lot around holiday time people will remember you know uh homecoming for the holidays and one royal holiday on hallmark i think you're with victoria clark who just won a tony a couple weeks ago yes um, indeed you've done you know your broadway research i played opposite aaron tivate who was also nominated for tony for moulin rouge and yeah. there were quite a few broadway people we shot in connecticut so i think they they pulled from the new york talent yes those those hallmark uh holiday stuff um, while while not maybe you know as acclaimed as a Mrs. Maisel or whatever, I'm telling you that's job security and those will be watched over and over and over again every holiday. That's like longevity right there. There is definitely an audience for the Christmas movies, and I've had such a joy, you know, getting to make them and be in that circle. And because I come from the stage, I like any TV film experience has been, I feel like, such a learning, a learning time for me that I feel like I, I grow every time I get to make one of those movies. And you really just have so much fun. You get to celebrate Christmas kind of all year round. You're shooting usually in July or August, maybe September, and then the movie comes out at Christmas time, and you feel like you've gotten to celebrate Christmas for half the year. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas in July. Um, all right. Well, final seconds, uh, and then and we'll cut you loose. You've been so generous. Final seconds, like bringing it full circle. Like you talked about how you had that, you know, you sort of grew up in the Midwest and Minnesota and did the Oz role. Do you feel like you sort of, 
did you know did a Dorothy yourself? Like you know you went off to Broadway and then then your parents from Oz from mi- the Midwest. I guess it's not Kansas. It's it's sure. uh, Minnesota. But follow my analogy. <laughs> they yeah. get to fly into New York to see your stuff. Like, uh, do, do you ever sort of feel like that that you know over the rainbow thing? Definitely. I think I've been so blessed to have, you know, such incredible opportunities and get to really live out that Broadway dream that I had. And as you said, now, like stepping into TV film stuff, I just finished another Christmas movie a couple weeks ago filming one. And um, I just I feel so grateful and getting to do concerts like this. I started songwriting and writing music. I released an EP last year. Like there's all these other ways that I'm finding to be creative. And I yes, I'm so grateful for the support of my family, you know, through the years, I really could never have done it without them. And yeah, I often equate it to a, a an over the rainbow story or even a Cinderella story. Not that I was rags to riches, you know, by any means, but um, just that the of those golden opportunities that came um, that really allowed me to kind of do what I love and get to to share the gifts that I feel that I was given at a young age. So it's been a blessing. Love it. Plug the EP real fast. Where can we find it? What's it called? Oh, you can find it anywhere. It's it's on Spotify. It's iTunes. If you follow me on social media, um, my handle is at Laura Osnes, my name, O-S-N-E-S. And it's in my link tree. You can stream it everywhere. And it's called On the Other Side. On the other side. Awesome. Well, yeah, they can, everyone listening to this, you know, you can, you know, pull up that EP and listen to that on your way to Annapolis to check out Laura Osnes at, for Cabaret and Concert at the Maryland Hall in Annapolis on July 29th. Get your tickets now. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Jason. You did your research so well. I'm honored to get to chat with you. And uh, thanks for helping plug our show. Hope to see you all there. All right. Be well. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.